Welcome to the Holistic Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marsden. And on today's show, we get a look at the inner wisdom and workings of Remy O'Brien. She takes us on a journey that includes everything from what it's like for actors, athletes, life as a gifted healer, miraculous healings, the collective unconscious, and oh, so much more. So sit back and enjoy, because here we go. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you to an incredible woman. Her name is Remy O'Brien, and she is an author, a Hollywood actress, an astrologer, and a gifted healer. So I am super excited to have Remy here today and to have you get to know her a little better. So Remy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kimberly Ann. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> yes, it is. So I thought it would be fun for us just to start with your sort of evolution to where you are now. I know right now what you're doing is you are a gifted healer and, and your passion is to work with athletes and help them on their journey. But can you give us a little background? Because you've had quite a fun journey up to this point and let us sort of <laughs> see all the different parts, uh, you know, that have gotten you to where you are right now, because those are some fun little facts that I just threw out of things that you've done in your past. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, well, I grew up as an athlete. Um, I have three brothers and I kind of wanted to be a boy, I think, but I, I think I was, the, <laughs> what's sad is I was the most gifted of us <clears throat> as an athlete. Um, but back then growing up, girls didn't have a lot of options. Uh, Softball wasn't as popular as it is now, but I wanted to play baseball and girls didn't play baseball back then. But so that's where my love of athletes comes from. And I also went to school for sports broadcasting and I just love the world of baseball and football. And then I decided to venture into being an actress. Uh, when I moved to Chicago, I had some I guess I should back it up a little bit. Well, I was living in Nashville and I was going to school for sports broadcasting and I got really sick. I uh, didn't know what was going on. Like I couldn't keep food down. And for like two days, I lost like 10 pounds. I was dehydrated. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Like, oh, it's a parasite or whatever. But it was, they didn't know. And so I saw someone, they're like, oh, you should go see a chiropractor. I'm like, are those the people that snap your neck and twist it and do those weird things? I'm like, no, thank you. She's no, I'm just, you should go. And so I just was, I didn't have anything else to do and I just felt terrible. So I made an appointment with a chiropractor and he did an x-ray and I had torn my hamstring back when I was 17 and in high school. And I just thought I, I remember hurting it, but I'm like, eh, and I was cheerleading. I'm like, it's no big deal. And I walked on it and I limped around for a while and then it just, whatever, healed itself, I thought. But I always had this pain on my right side. <clears throat> Everything always felt, and I thought it was from years of waitressing, from holding a tray, from doing these things. And when I went to the chiropractor, he's like, oh, you tore your hamstring. There's scar tissue there, which is compensated for you on your right side all this time. You've been overcompensating. That's why your side goes numb. That's why you have so much pain. And your, your back is so out of alignment that your stomach has shifted. So my esophagus wasn't aligned right with everything. And that's why I wasn't keeping food down because there, it wasn't having a right flow. And then just doing some time with him, a couple months with him, him adjusting my back, teaching me that 
you know, how the spine really is like the be all of you. I mean, your spine has to be right, you know? And, uh, I started feeling better. So when I got to Chicago, I'm like, I need a chiropractor right away. I met my, my mentor, Kurt Hill. And from there, uh, eventually he's like, Oh, you know, you're a healer and he's a shaman and everything. And he's a shaman and does all that stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm an actress. <laughs> he's like, no, you're a healer. And, uh, he, that's when I learned, um, how to become a healer and work with energies and, uh, vibrational medicines. Fascinating. So I just love that the point you made about things needing to be in alignment structurally. I mean, it's that way spiritually, emotionally. So, I think it's so fascinating that you found that out by that one experience in Nashville with the chiropractor that that was able to sort of shift you not only you physically into alignment, but eventually, ultimately, you into the alignment with your purpose. Yeah. So it's really nice. And especially when you're, when you think of that, they call woo woo stuff, you think of like places like California or the, the, you know, the West Coast, you know, Seattle, and to find it in Nashville. <laughs> In a chiropractor's <laughs> office, because that's not very woo-woo, you know? Right, yeah. But I they think they're becoming a little more woo-woo. Um, there was something I found out. There's They have these chiropractors now that don't touch you. They do all energetic chiropractic. And this girl said she grew an inch after one of her appointments. I think wow. it's – I forget what it's called. Network but, chiropractic, I'm pretty sure is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I think you're right. It's energy-based chiropractic where they're using the energy in the dura and in the spine to, to make sure basically what you were describing before, to have the energy flow without restriction. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that gaining an inch, but I know that it releases, yeah. I know that it releases energy blockages, which is obviously key for, uh, for overall health. But, um, but why don't you take us on just a, a little tangent off to the, cause I'm sure people are curious with the acting when you got out there in Chicago. So how, how has acting fit in for you? What have you learned from that part of your experiences? Well, what I, I learned also is cause I like to work with athletes is that actors are similar to athletes. And I think that's why athletes like actors and actors like athletes <laughs> Because, but because when you're truly in your character and you're doing what needs to be done and you're and you're living for the audience, you should be exhausted like an athlete. You should be yawning. You should be after a show. If you're not dead on your feet, then you weren't really in your character and you were being more. What's the word? Uh, being more uh, mechanical mm -hmm. as an actor, doing the mechanics of it as opposed to being visceral and inside with the character. Uh, so it's also about being a mind, body, spirit and taking yourself out of the equation and, and putting this character into the equation. And the same with the healing is it, I, I don't do the healing, uh, a higher source does the healing through me and just letting myself, my body be a conduit to help do that work is how I, I kind of bridge them together and, and just knowing how to just be around different personalities and different people and being open to uh, what's out there and being able to energetically be out there, see what they need and uh, work with them in that sense. I think that I've never heard that when I, 
heard people talk about acting. I mean, people talk about being, you know, in your character, but I think it's incredible that you just put it together as a mind, body, spirit in the interplay of those three as it being authentic. Because I know when I watch as somebody that likes, you know, I'm, I like a good movie. I like a good show, (laughs) (laughs) whether that be a play or a movie or whatever it is. I do love Broadway plays too, but but I, I do. That's probably exactly what, as an audience, we pick up on because you feel when somebody, you're like, wow, that's so authentic. And I think why it's authentic is because you're sensing that real energy when they're completely immersed in it with their spirit, with their emotions, with all of themselves, which is probably why you're describing it as being exhausting. Because, yeah, when you're going through all the things that the characters go through in a, mm-hmm one hour show or in a Broadway play, they do a whole lifetime's worth of, of a conflict and development and growth and transformation. I wonder why you'd be exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. Why that would happen. Um, But I know that one other thing I know you do too, and I don't know if this fits in also with your current healing process, but does astrology fit in for you as well with the healing work with athletes or is that sort of separate? You know, it's something I'm going to try to implement because I just started having these revelations of, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not new to astrology. I've always followed it, but I've always followed the basic, oh, my sun sign. But then I've dug deeper in the last couple years about it. And I find it interesting that each sign is connected to a body part and that it makes sense. And that they're going to have issues with those certain part body parts, whether they realize it or not, or don't know. And so I'm playing with that idea of, well, if you're an Aries, you have, you might deal with headaches or eye issues, um, brain issues, not brain, like bad brain, but like the brain is the switchboard to everything and likes to be in control and just knowing like, Oh, is your brain in control? And then how to connect those. Cause I'm all about mind, body, spirit connected into one. Uh, because they can't really work together if they're in pieces. They have to work as one. And they're finding stuff. And there's a thing called heart math where the the heart can actually work outside the brain. Um, And it's like connecting those, if you can connect those two through meditation with the heart and the brain and connect them together, that you can have a a lot more open openness and, and be more connected to everything and not just let your brain run it or let your heart run it. Yeah, I know. I'm familiar with HeartMath too. And it's amazing what they're finding as far as the, basically the connection between the two, but also just the power of the heart. I can't remember where I, where I came across that, but they were talking about when you measure the um, energy, when you measure the energy that comes out from the heart, the heart center is so powerful that we put that out many more feet than we can our actual, the brain, uh, then, then the energy comes out of the brain. And so it just talks about how powerful that heart center is, but I agree with you as well. I mean, I think what happens is we can often get very fragmented and especially in Western society, I think we very much get stuck up in the head and we get Mm -hmm. stuck up in thoughts and we can block emotions and we can block spirit. And it really is so much about integrating all those things and having that energy flow from all those places. And I'm fascinated to see as you go further with your astrology connections, because it's actually something similar to what I've, I'm very fascinated with. I have a session on a 
I did a show on the wisdom of the body, but for years I've used the stuff from Louise Hay and Inya Segal, which talks about different body parts and how that how that relates to emotions. And then you were actually the one that introduced me to the emotion code by Dr. Bradley Nelson, speaking of which. Yes. And so it's fascinating just to understand how all these blockages in the body, how they relate to different places and the messages that the body's giving. And, and to connect that to astrology, it makes sense because we have certain patterns based on where our planets lie, our blueprint based on where the planets lie. And that puts us for predispositions of areas that may have more challenges than others. So I'm really going to be interested to see how that works out over time as you start to play around with that more, because I do think that there are predispositions based on what our blueprint is, what's strong in our chart and what isn't as far as where you want to look to see where some of those difficulties might arise. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating because this is one thing I discovered. Um, and for those that might get a little woo, you don't understand I'm a Scorpio and the, the things that are attached to Scorpio, when I was younger, I always had those issues, but my rising sign is Gemini. And I'm noticing what Gemini is connected to physically is where I've been starting to have issues in my body, which, you know, they talk about, everybody thinks my sun sign, that's who I am. But learning that you actually, your rising sign is who you're rising to become and that you're, you might actually switch into that. So for some people that are like, well, yeah, I'm an Aries, but I don't feel headache. I never have headaches. I never have this. Then maybe your rising sign is something different and that's where it goes. So there's like two different ways to look at that. So I found, I found that very interesting and fascinating that, um, we just don't have to be connected to the sun sign so much and to learn about the rising and your soul purpose. And I actually, I'm going to throw out a theory. It's all it is right now. <laughs> okay. You know, I love I'm theory. thinking if you look at North node, South node, I think you may find there too, whatever Zodiac sign that falls in that people may also go back to their comfort area, you know, be interesting to see how that relates to when they're suffering does it tend to go back to that pattern of what they know from the past? I wonder, I don't know. Yeah. Go back to that pattern because we're comfortable with it in the way that we relate to people in the way that we function in daily life. I wonder if when we are suffering, I wonder if it also goes back to a comfortable pattern. Do you know what I mean? Of what's familiar? I don't know. Yeah. I kind of have an idea about that too. I kind of agree with you. I feel like that's when you're suffering is when you're going back to that pattern. Mm -hmm. After what I learned how the North Node works and everything that's struggling, the struggles I've had, I'm like, oh, I'm living in my South Node right now. Mm -hmm. So how do I need to get into North Node so maybe this pain will go away. Yeah, where I need to be, not where I'm used to. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, I mean, it's it's tempting though because my South Node, I'm like, I kind of like that life again. Can I have it, please? Oh yeah, where's your South (laughs) Node, Mermy? Scorpio. Oh my goodness. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that was the easy way. <laughs> and I have some of that back, please. Especially after 2020. <laughs> oh, so funny. Mine's in Virgo. That's a very familiar, comfortable place for me with all the earth I have in my chart. So I get it. My, but North Node is Pisces, which is totally where I'm needing to go and, and am much more now and is much more of a um, it was not a very easy direction for me to go in, but now that I'm more in that direction, I'm very grateful for that. And yeah, and, and try and make sure that I stay awake and aware and 
relate to my intuition and my own inner strengths and power. So fabulous. But I want to talk more about the ways that you work with athletes. And I, and I, I want to put it one thing I wanted to say in general, I know that you're businesses with athletes, but I'm sure you would agree that the techniques you use can really be used by anyone for healing. Yes. It's, it's not, I mean, I think it scares some people when they see that my, my athletes essentials healing website, they're like, Oh, I'm not an athlete. I can't do that. Uh, and it's kind of like when people go, Oh, I'm not an artist. I don't draw. I don't paint. I don't act. Uh, but do you, do you cook a beautiful sort, you know, cake or do you cook a beautiful food? That's an artist. Do you, I mean, anybody's, everybody's an artist in what they do. And if it's something that you love, like astrologers are artists, healers are artists because you're, you're, you're doing something magic is our art. You know, I just, I, so I feel like people, we get caught up in our brains in that side of, oh, it's only for athletes. Oh, I can only, I'm not an athlete. I can't do that. And, and like I said, with, with artists, painters, actors, when you do your, when you do your art and your craft and you do it wholeheartedly, you're exhausted and you can come up with energy blocks. I mean, especially as artists, I mean, some people have become actors because they don't like want it. They don't want to be themselves. And they're like, well, I don't want to be Jack. I want to be, you know, Brad Pitt. So I'm going to go out and be an actor. And when you're doing that and cause you don't want to be you guess where you have issues. You have issues in your fifth chakra, which is your throat chakra. Cause you're not speaking your truth. You're speaking someone else's truth, you know? So there is work that needs to be done around stuff like that. And you'll always hear people say, well, I became an actor because I was so shy or I didn't like being who I was or, and there's people like, I just want to be like people like Brad Pitt, the Sagittarius that he is like, I just want to have fun, man. And that's what Sagittarians <laughs> do. I'm having fun. I want to play these parts. But when you look at Brad Pitt's parts, I'm Brad Pitt's playing Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like that guy is Brad Pitt. I don't know him personally, but I would like to know that guy. And I, 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 I just think he's great. I'm sure like the way he does in Ocean's Eleven when he's always got food in his mouth, maybe he does have like that at home too. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like he'd be lots of fun. And I think he's playing himself which I think are some of the best actors that uh, are playing themselves and they might not have that, that stigma and that, that hard time getting through and being that the best actor that they are. That makes sense. Well, because they're, I think what you're saying is they're connecting to the essence of themselves. So that's why Mm -hmm. it comes off the way it does, because there really is a core of that in how they walk through life, you know? So you're seeing, you're definitely getting a glimpse. Yes. Maybe the lines are not obviously coming, they're coming out of their mouth, but they didn't write them. But the essence of the way that it's being delivered and how they see it is all there. That's why there's probably a lot of carryover between, you know, the person and and what they're presenting. Yeah. And healers too. Healers need healers. You know, we, you know, sometimes like I'm a healer, I can heal myself. I, I can't, I, I use friends all the time. Uh, I have a, a wonderful friend who's helped me with a sh- shoulder issue. Uh, and she does, uh, I have to introduce you to her cause she does body code, which is the second oh, yes. step of emotion code with, yeah. and you know, of course, emotion code, he originally was a chiropractor. Yes. <laughs> he started off as a chiropractor went into like this holistic way of medicine and magnets. And it's very, the body code is very interesting and it's so spot on. I know a couple people that use it and it's great. 
Oh, that's so, so you've used that for your shoulder. That's helped, huh? Yeah. This is a, a friend of mine. She actually lives in Florida and, uh, I, I'll connect you too. She does body code. Yeah. I was looking at that too. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by so many different things. As you know, I love all modalities of holistic healing and wellness. I think it's just a fabulous gift that we have for ourselves and to share with others. That's, I mean, that's why I started this podcast. That's why I live the way that I do. That's why I've raised my children the way that I have, because I yeah. really truly believe that the closer we can be to staying integrated and in, in as close as we can be to the way we were created, the better, you know, yeah. I'm not a big believer that we've, the, we've one upped creation or the creator. <laughs> no, nah, not, not a believer either that we're the only species on this world. That's a little <laughs> legal, little egotistical there, but yeah. it doesn't hurt to know a lot of modalities. I mean, yeah. I do all kinds of things, tapping, theta, theta healing, you know, energetic work, body code work, emotion code work. So, it, you know, because not everything is for everybody and they just have to find what really works for them. I agree with that. I had a fascinating discussion actually on that topic with a wonderful healer that I know who actually helped me tremendously. What we were talking about is she uses so many different modalities for, um, she's an LMT, but she uses a lot of different modalities as far as craniosacral somatotherapy release and just a million other techniques from the Brawl Institute and Upledger Institute that are all manual therapies. And I said to her, and then she kind of creates them in her own way. And I said to her, you're so eclectic. And I said, I'm like that too. I said, but wouldn't it be easier if we just picked one modality and stuck with it? And so we had that whole conversation and we both very strongly believe, as it sounds like you do too, that not everything, there's not one thing that's for everyone. So that's why I, and for myself, I find that, you know, I like to try a lot of different things because that's what. I find works. And I know that let's switch over to you for the healing. I know that you use a couple different things in the way that you work. If you want to jump into that. Yeah. My, my biggest, um, the most that I do is, is, is uh, negative energy extraction. So it's like, in I liken it to, so when an athlete gets hurt, it, the trauma is lodged in there, almost like a PTSD of the body of that, of where that energy hits. And it's, it kind of stays there um, you can heal it and fix it, but the negative energy of the scare of that, that tear or that, or that broke, that break kind of stays in the body. And so I, I like, I go in there and take the negative energy of that out, that trauma of that, that injury out of there and replace it with a positive energy and get the energies flowing back in together with, um, that, which also, and I, and I, I don't talk about it and it's not on my website, but I also work with tuning forks that I'm getting a little more adapt with. And I also think when you have a trauma like that, it shifts you out of your, your sound vibration and then kind of connecting you back into your sound vibration and getting that sound back into your body. Cause we all, as different people, we all vibrate at a different sound. Like I vibrate at a C um, and somebody else might vibrate at an A or a D depending on where they are in their world. And, but if you have a bunch of C in your body and no A, which is what you vibrate at, you're really going to be off and you're not going to be, what's the word I want to say? Kind of like melodious, melodious, you know, like melody, but like in a, um, just vibrating right with your body. 
being in your own flow, the flow that yeah. works for your. So that's something I'm a little more in. So what I basically it's vibrational medicine. I like to call it because I'm taking, I'm basically medicine for the, for the energy that's there being stuck that needs to move and get out of the way. That is so fascinating because I know that energy medicine uh, scientists, I mean, they talk all about sound is and quantum quantum physicists. I mean, really their whole thing, which I found fascinating is that everything is sound. Everything is vibration. Everything is energy, but really it, the foundation is sound. And yeah. I was floored when I discovered that I was like, you know, it really is that true because sound is the, basically the way I think of it, like the ultimate vibration. Yeah. And it's becoming really popular and you're starting to see more and more sound healers. Uh, you'll you'll see them. They work with bowls. They work with yeah. tuning forks. They work with chimes. They work with all kinds of just sound. Uh, and I I just met somebody. She does sound work, and I haven't done anything with her yet. I'm going to, but someone said it's like having a massage on your insides. <laughs> well, I can tell you from a totally different perspective. I actually worked with a doctor that was a functional neurologist, and he used tuning forks. That was part of my therapy, and. It was fascinating because different forks, as you know, they have different vibrations. And it was fascinating because I responded differently to the different levels of vibration. I could not tolerate some and others. And he was using a therapeutic. And so he was using the different sound vibrations in conjunction with different exercises to try and get my system back into, we'll just say flow for simplicity. Mm -hmm. I have read quite a bit about sound therapy. I do think that is going to be a huge wave in the future because I do think there's a lot to it when you start to realize that we really are these energetic vibrational beings. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like my mentor says, we're just energetic beings living in a human body, having a human experience. Yes. Yes. Energetics. Yeah. And I add to that spiritual being, that's what I say all the time is that, yeah. you know, I'm, we're really spiritual beings that have been gifted these human bodies to basically enjoy the, all the experiences of the senses. And that's, yeah. you know, we get, and we learn lessons that way. You know, that's the point we're here to evolve, to transform and, you know, hopefully raise the vibration here on this planet earth <laughs> that we're on and make it a place that's you know, full of love and light and all kinds of positive things. But that being yeah. said, so I know you do all that, but can you tell me a little bit more about, I saw when I was looking at your website too, that you do something called, which I'm not familiar with, psychosomatic character therapy. What is that? I love the words. <laughs> <laughs> well, what that is, and that's when I told you my mentor, uh, Kurt Hill out of Chicago, when he said I was a healer, it's a program that he put together and it's, uh, just different modalities of uh, holograms, um, tuning fork vibration, just the way that energies work in our body and that mind, body, and spirit need to be connected as one. Um, some shamanism in there. And that there's just, like I said, different modalities for people. Because uh, when we thought of Jungian work, because when we come into this world, we take on a character, we take on a persona. Uh, we we do, and we sometimes don't even realize it because it's a collective consciousness, which we, we talk about, which the collective world is that we have archetypes that are attached to certain parts in our life. And we take on those archetypes subconscious, unconsciously at times because we don't realize it. And a perfect example was uh, a friend 
they were to get a couple were together for a very long time. Uh, they were, had a beautiful relationship. He was like, you should just get married. So they got married and within a year they were hated each other. Hmm. They su- had subconsciously taken on the ma- the marriage archetype. He expected her to come home and cook. And they were both very successful doctors. Uh, he expected her to be home cooking for her, him and being a wife <laughs> And she's like, what? And he, and she's like, well, I expect you to be a husband. And they, they, and they didn't know where it came from and they got a divorce. And then a year later they got back together and they never decided never get married. And they didn't have those issues anymore because that archetype of being husband and wife disappeared when they got a divorce, but it had hit them somewhere in their psyche that all of a sudden they were taking on the ideas of how husbands and wives are supposed to be because it's out there universally. That's how husbands and wives are supposed to be. That's fascinating. I love that story. And also for, and this goes to women, um, the warrior, like women become warriors after their forties. And it's funny. And and I'm talking for some people, not everybody, but when a lot of men go to the younger women, because when women are younger, they're nurturers and they want to nurture, they have that idea of they're in there. Like I need to, I'm going to become a mother soon. Like they want to nurture the relationship. They want to nurture children. They want to nurture their lives and then their families. But as we get older, we become that warrior. Like, I, you know what? I've nurtured, I'm tired. I'm ready to be a warrior and take on my own world. And a lot of times that's why the men go to a younger woman. Not, they don't want, not because they're younger, because they're getting, because when men get older, they want to be more coddled and taken care of. So they kind of go opposite. It's so weird, you know, in the, in the, in the, when you look at the young world, men and women are supposed to can be together, but we, they, we don't come together at the same time. So when we're nurturers, they're warriors. And when we're warriors, they need to be nurtured. And so that causes some of that, in, that, that issues in, uh, in my, my theories and thoughts. So I, th- I think that's pretty interesting too. That is fascinating. And actually I've heard Dr. Christian Northrup talk about that from the biological mm-hmm. perspective as well, exactly what you're saying. And she adds to it that when you, when we get to that point in our lives, physiologically, when women start to go through perimenopause and menopause, biologically it's like you know what i'm i'm done with i'm done with that part of my life and now i'm at a point biologically where you you know that like you're saying that nurturing role that ability to have children is gone so the focus becomes different biologically and emotionally and in every way so what you're saying actually makes perfect sense evolutionary wise as well yeah and also in the character therapy we learned we learn about animas and anima which a lot of people don't know about uh, shadow work, uh, learning your shadow, which is kind of the the anima and animas, and that's a big Jungian thing too. Um, so yeah, the diff- just the different modalities and how the different characters of people work and what works for them, and that's where I came up with, with the idea that knowing so many modalities doesn't hurt because. Uh, everybody has different things that need to be worked on and things that they relate to more. I agree. And I think the other thing that's really valuable for people to understand is we're all at different places and stages in our evolution. And so something that might work for us at one point in time is not going to work for us at a different point in time. You know, it may, when, as we change, we may need something different. And so something that may work in the past may not be working now. And it's because we're different at this point in time. It's not because the technique or the strategy isn't any good. It's just that 
it's not for what we're what we're looking for at this point in time. So it is nice when you have a variety of tools in your toolbox to to play with. It's kind of like a sandbox. <laughs> it's yes. To yes, play with. So can you tell us, are there some stories you have besides like that other one that, but how these techniques have helped clients, things that you've seen in people that have been powerful? Uh, yes. Uh, one um, client we worked on in my, when I was with Kurt, uh, she had breast cancer and I'm a clear audience too, which means is I hear things. So that's how I get a lot of my, my downloads. I'm not more vision. I'm more, I'm more here. And I did have an aha moment recently that going back to sound a little bit is that I hear in song. And so and I don't know why it took me that long to realize that, but when we were working on her, she, with her breast cancer, and we were just doing some energy work through that area. I started humming Amazing Grace to her. And afterwards, when we were talking to her, she's like, who is singing Amazing Grace? Who is humming that? And I'm like, oh, that was me. And she was, why? And I'm like, oh, just I just heard this voice tell me to sing that to you. She was my grandmother saying that to me every single night I was with her when I would go to bed. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she looked at me and she goes, I know my breast cancer is gone. <laughs> and I'm like, I just love that story because it just really, you know. Wow. Because also sometimes a lot of healing is in, um, in, in dying. That's a healing. People don't realize that because we did work on another cancer patient. And, um, he, he passed on, we helped him for the time that he could be there, but his healing was in not being on this planet anymore. And, and, and those sometimes are hard to deal with, but, uh, he wanted to be with his son and that's where he ended up going. So that was in the healing there. So those are just two stories, uh, that I, I have, um, so the woman, can we go back to the one with the breast cancer? Mm -hmm. First of all, I think it's beautiful that you were able to tap into that connection for that, for her with that song. And she was healthy after that. She really, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. She was healthy. She's been great. So, and that was 10 years, over 10 years ago. So that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Talk about healing. That's next level. And I agree with you. I do think that, that death is it's a transition, you know, all ener energy can never be destroyed. It's just transformed. Right. And so he's, you know, and people, sometimes we forget how powerful relationships are. And if he really wanted to go and be with his son, then, you know, maybe he'd learned what he needed to learn and helping people to transition is a huge gift as well. Well, it was a fascinating story because his son died from cancer years prior, but of a of a cancer that was only found in adults. And he had his uh, right leg amputated first, and then he eventually passed a little boy. So the guy that we saw had a cancer that we only find in children. Oh my gosh. And he had a tumor the size this big on his back. I mean, this huge on the, on the side of the son where his son's the right side where his son lost everything. So it was just fascinating to to watch that. But we eventually got his tumor down from the side. I mean, it was like a basketball down to smaller and smaller, um, which we thought, oh, he's going to move on and get better. But then he he's just like, no, I'm, I and I and I told him, I said, you know, 
I know you want to be with your son. He loves you. He wants you to stay here, but he went to be with the son anyway. Yeah. And that's what that's free. That's what free will is about. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, we have a choice. And I really do believe that our, you know, a broken heart is a powerful thing. And if the heart isn't mended or, you know, has a really strong desire to do something, it's going to find a way to do what it, you know, feels it needs to do. But thank you for sharing those. Those are incredible stories. Because at the beginning, I asked you a question about, do you work with more than athletes? Well, we can see right with those examples that even though your business is, is it called, it's called Athletes Essentials, right? Athletesessentialshealing.com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly you do a lot more than, and I don't want to say just being an athlete myself, <laughs> but <laughs> working with just athletes, but working, you work, obviously you work with all people and provide all kinds of healing. So that's a gift. That's a gift that you have that you share with others. And so I really encourage people to check out, I'm going to obviously put in the show notes to check out um, your website and all of the different options that you have. So I'll have that in the show notes, but um, I just want to make sure people understand that you do work with athletes and you do work with anybody that's interested in, in healing of all different kinds and basically integrating themselves, mind, body, and spirit and, and raising their vibration and living a life that they choose to at whatever point, you know, to make whatever changes they want to make, you can definitely help people do that in a lot of different ways. Other ways, other ways. I know you have so many other skills. What haven't we covered, Remy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, I mean, we could talk about, um, Oh, TOC, right? TOC, the one command. Yeah. TOC yeah. is, um, I learned that from Asara Lovejoy and that is a theta, theta healing meditation technique um, where we ground into the earth and then we bring, and like you said earlier about the heart, one of the things we do is we bring all that energy up through the heart and then we, from there we blow all that our energy around us and encase us and keep us safe. And like you said, it does, we blow it out so far that the heart energy can go so far out there um, where the brain energy just can't. The brain energy is there, but the heart can go out and just touch everyone. And when you're in a perfect alignment too, your auras grow, your electrical vibration grows. So when you're not where you need to be, it's so close to you, like right on your body. But when you're where you need to be, your aura and vibration should be feet away from you. Um, and then we just do this technique where we go up into theta and we command for what we need to do. And it's, it's interesting because that's kind of like an onion peel because What's fascinating about the one command is you, you start to figure out what you're really wanting out of life. Um, for example, one woman was, she's like, I just want to lose 30 pounds. And she was a little overweight in her mind. And we're like, well, why do you want to lose 30 pounds? Because I just want to lose 30 pounds. Well, when we broke it down, finally at the, end, at the end of it, she wanted to be in relationship. She wanted a partner. So she didn't want to lose 30 pounds. She wanted to be in a partner. But when we, when, once we uncovered that, that what she really wanted was a relationship, guess what happened? The 30 pounds fell off because it had nothing to do with wanting to lose weight. And you're, in, you're stuck in that mindset of, I, need, I want to lose weight. But that's not what it is. There's something deeper. And then so like with the what Theta Command, we just go into there and peel the layers out to find out what you actually really want which is a lot of healing anyway, because people don't, sometimes, we don't really know what we want because we don't take the time to sit down and think about what we want 
or maybe what we want is somebody's idea of what we want. Like, you know, and I'm going to put this back on the athlete situation. Like one thing I like to know, it was that was your sport that you're in your sport of choice or did somebody tell you that's what you should be, you know? And if that's the case, I, I feel like, and I, I can't talk for anybody, but I feel like people that really thrive in the sports that they're in are the sports that they wanted to be in. Um, you know, you talk about people like, like Derek Jeter, he grew up in Minnesota and what, since the time he was seven years old, I want to play for the New York Yankees. I want to be one of the best Yankees. He was drafted by the Yankees and he spent his whole career as a Yankee. He's in the hall of fame. There's going to be in the hall of fame. He's one of the best. He has all these Yankee records, but, and he knew, and he didn't, he had a great career and he started, didn't start getting hurt until near the end of his career when it was time for him to move on. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I swam with a lot of elite uh, swimmers, you know, through high school. And it was amazing because you have people who are state champions and at going to nationals and competing at a high level. And then you would see in practice the kids that had talent, but they were there because their parents made them be there because, okay, you're going to get it. You're going to go, you know, get a D one scholarship and, and that's how we're going to pay for college, even if they had money to pay for college. And so what happens is the mode, like you're saying, if, if it's not the sport that they're not in the sport for the right reasons, what happens is they burn out and mm -hmm. they start trying to find ways to, to get out of it, whether that be by hiding in the pool at the bottom of the pool, you know, like trying yeah. to, trying to find ways to get out of practice, go to the bathroom, whatever it is, you start to see those behaviors when the person's in the sport beyond what they want to be. And I think you're right. I think it's so important that we're in alignment with whatever we're doing, whether it's a sport, job, career, whatever it is, but especially in sports, because you're putting in so much, not just the mental effort, the physical effort, you're trying to align everything. And that's one of the things when I talk with parents is I'm always saying, you know, make sure that this is about what the the child the child wants not about what the parent wants because so many times you'll see a parent that didn't quite achieve what they wanted athletically and then that becomes they push that on their child and and try and yeah. live through them and that is really unhealthy and I bet you see that in some of the athletes because I know I have you know you see it yeah clear as a bell well yeah one of the things I too say too one of the things I came up with is What's so great about an athlete is also what's what their biggest strengths are their biggest weakness because they're so good at being disciplined and so good at following regimens and doing what they need to do to succeed that they push themselves a little too much. And that's when the injuries come and that's when the injuries can't get fixed. That's when the things start to pile up and you don't even realize that that's happening. And I mean, a perfect example is I'm going to use Ryan Tannehill, who played for the Dolphins, who now plays for the uh, Titans. He was playing with the Dolphins. He was having a great year. They're going to go to the playoffs. And he, he was going to tear his ACL. And he's like, um, but he didn't want to have surgery. <clears throat> so they got out of the playoff. They didn't get past the playoffs. He's like, I don't want surgery. So he rehabbed it. He, I'm going to rehab it. I don't want to have surgery. I don't want to miss the next season. Well, first day of uh, training camp, he stepped on it. He didn't even do anything. He just stepped on it a certain way, tore the ACL, missed the whole season. Oh. So what he tried to rehab off season because he didn't want to miss the next season. And he, he didn't even, he wasn't even hit. It wasn't even a real game. It was training camp. He just stepped one way, tore it. 
So it's somewhere in there, and that's where my mind goes. Somewhere in there, there's that he had the trauma, or the idea of the trauma was already still was already in the ACL, and was going to happen no matter what. I mean, he granted, and then he got you know he took a year to rehab. He came back. He lost his position, but he went to the Titans, and now he's his career is great. You know, but um, just that idea that you don't want to do something, and guess what happens? It happens. Yeah, I wonder how much of that too is also the piece of you know, where you put your attention or energy Mm -hmm. flows, where attention goes, energy flows. And if you're, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, guess what happens? You attract what you don't want. If that's where all the energy goes, you know, I don't want this. And if that becomes the biggest focus, then instead of what you do want, then sometimes we have that experience as well. But it sounds like, I don't know what he did to get that trauma out besides obviously doing the physical healing, but he found, apparently he was able to work it out, which is great so that he could move on and be successful. Yeah. And, and then sometimes, you know, I, I think with people that really, they somehow do it themselves. And another example is uh, the quarterback, he just retired, Alex Smith. He broke his leg two years ago. It was devastating looking. It was so nasty. They thought they were going to amputate it. Ooh. It looked horrendous. And he's very spiritual, very into, you know, this God and everything and prayed about it and did a lot of work on it. He came back last year and took the team to the playoffs. Like they, they thought he was never going to walk, thought it was going to amputate it. The pictures of it was atrocious. And he came back. I mean, he retired this year. He just didn't want to do with that anymore. But I mean, to me, that somebody that, you know, with had the right intentions, the right ideas of what he wanted to do and work on it. And he, probably self-healed himself That's with, amazing. Yeah. You know, with higher powers. But you know what I like about that last one is that he then, he was successful and proved he could do it. But then he said, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what he was experiencing physically, emotionally, or any other way, but I think that also speaks to the fact that he's obviously very connected with his own innate wisdom and yeah. something made him say, okay, I've done this, but now I'm done and I'm going to take a break or maybe he'll be done permanently. Who knows? But he obviously knows how to connect to the power within himself. And that's what he did. He connected with, to that power, healed himself, and then decided, you know, that even though he was physically healed, that he didn't need to continue to do it anymore. Yeah. Which is pretty, which is part of the healing too, you know? Yes. Yes. Because as you know, I'm sure we could talk forever about it becomes your identity too. For athletes, you have to watch that. You know, I say to people, you define the sport, the sport doesn't define you, but in actuality for a lot of people, the sport does end up defining them and they do end up becoming, that becomes their identity. And that's one of the things you have to really, you know, as athletes, people need to watch for is understanding that you still need that balance to be whole, to be healed. You can be an athlete and be completely healthy in all ways, but you still need to have that understanding that that is something you do. It's not who you are. There's a big difference. Yeah. And that's exactly true. And then so knowing, also knowing when to walk away from the sport, it's kind of a healing mechanism too, like helping them get to that point that maybe it's time to walk away from this sport, you know? Yeah. And the body always lets you know, if you listen, (laughs) if you listen. Yeah. And that's what I said. Their biggest Weak, their biggest strength or biggest weakness. They don't want to listen to that pain sometimes and they'll push it. So, which is part of the training. If you think about yeah. it for an athlete, that's part of what, what athletes are taught, you know, is we learn to listen, select. It's funny because the body, you teach the body to be used as a tool 
you know, so that's kind of like the mind controls the body to get it to do high levels, what you want it to do, but then it's got to go both ways. Then the, then the, the mind also needs to listen to the body when it starts talking, but sometimes, you know, it, it only goes one way. And uh, that's the dangerous part because the body has a lot of wisdom to share with. You know. Yeah. I saw a study that like 2.6 million athletes a year get hurt in some capacity. And that's the only ones that go to the doctor that we know of. So it's probably more like 10 million because some of them just play it out, write it out. Don't go see the doctor. Don't want to get off the team. And a lot of that is kids under 19. Wow. Young kid sad. athletes. They're starting to get hurt at younger ages too, because they're, I mean, these kids, I look at some of them like you're in high school. <laughs> some of the college athletes, the football ones, I'm like, you look like a man. You're only 19 or 21. You look like a grown man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I look back at when I was in college, I look like I'm 12. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that, I think the thing that's happened over the last at least 20 years, probably, I'm not sure exactly if it's longer when exactly it switched, but there's become the whole industry of, you know, for kids to become basically professionals in their sport, unpaid professionals in their sports at such a young age. So what you see is people getting private coaching, young kids getting private coaching to make them better and better and better. And I saw this with my son, you know, when he was doing basketball and soccer, you know, he was doing very high level sports. He ended up being a collegiate basketball player. But what we saw when he was 10, 11, all the other kids were doing one-on-one training, you know, extra training. So at that point in time, they looked like rock stars. Mm. And a lot of those kids, I'm thinking of three right off the top of my head, not one of them played in college, but when they were playing AAU basketball at 10, 11, 12, even 13, they were way ahead because, because what they'd been training. So you have these young kids that are overtraining and that impacts their development. And then you see all these injuries starting because the other thing And I had talked with um, two pediatricians, actually, two different pediatricians when my kids were younger about it, is it's so important for them to cross train. And that's the other thing you see these days is, and for many, for quite a while now, is people are specifying their sports. So they're doing one sport over and over and over again. And the implications, the impact that has on the physical body, but also emotionally and mentally, just repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. I mean, when we grew up, we played, it wasn't every sport you played. You played baseball in the summer you played football in the winter, you know, basketball in between. Like every, I mean, my brothers played all the sports. They didn't just do one. And like you said, like, it's true. It's like they at starting at seven, eight years old are on on one sport and not learning other sports. That's why I, I, I kind of have a little heart space for the multi-athlete that can go. Um, (laughs) I can go play baseball. Um, the guy that's the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals right now, he was drafted by Oakland A's baseball team. And then after college and went in the Heisman, he's like, I'm going to go play football. And they're like, but he's not tall enough. And he's breaking the breaking that idea that now football play, quarterbacks have to be over six foot one. But now there's a couple that are under five to 11 that are great at the sport. But I, and I feel like, you know, he had a choice and he's going to be a lot better well-rounded for it. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's good training for the brain too. That's one of the things that I talked about. Yeah, because they're different tactics. They're different eye-hand coordinations. They're different mental 
uh, blacks as athletes have to really be able to see, see everything. Yeah. So it's learning all different parts of the brain. And, and I agree with you on that. And I think the theta healing that you do, I mean, that's basically what you're doing, right? I mean, as you're working with the brain and helping it to, well, I'll let you say what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's one thing when we go into theta and it's, it's a little hard to explain over this real quick. It's something that I would, it takes a little time to learn, but we do a, a statement and then we, you roll your eyes up to the top of your head. And what happens when you roll your eyes up, sometimes it feels weird to people because we're not used to doing it. It gets you out of your thinking brain and gets you into theta and pops you out of your thinking brain for a little bit. Uh, some people find it hard to do. It's weird, but you get used to it after a while. And eventually your eyes can just like my eyes can just roll up and I can go in there and you just kind of go out into the universe. And one of the commands are like, I don't know how. Um, so for example, I don't know how to lose 20 pounds. I only know that I've lost 20 pounds now and I'm fulfilled because what we're always looking for is answers. And we don't, and when we get, get out of the how and just go, this is what I need. The how will come to me if I give it up to the universe. And then you let that do it for you and you come down and you let it go. So you don't have to worry about the how. And we're always worrying about the how as opposed to just being there and letting the how come to us. So it's basically getting out of your own brain, out of your own way and letting somebody else take the how from you and doing it for you, but looking for the signs. And so what happens is, and that's when we do the, the, the layer of the onion peel comes up. So when you're in there, your mind will have thoughts. So it'll be like, I don't know how I'm, I have a healthy 124 pound energetic body. And then something might pop into your head, like I need to eat more vegetables, you know, or something will happen in your brain or You'll say that and go, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to fix this, but it might be like, oh, I don't, I want to be more energetic. So then you're like, well, I don't know how I'm more energetic. I only know I am now and I'm fulfilled. So then these other deep, that's where the thing goes, oh, I don't want to be this. I want more energy. Oh, I don't want that. I want to be more vibrational. Oh, I'm not looking for this job I'm looking for my sole purpose and it, it just starts to unroll. And, and so then you, when you come out, if any ideas popped in, you write those down. Cause some of those ideas are like, like I said, Oh, I got to start eating more vegetables. Oh, I heard something about blueberry smoothies twice a, twice a week. Oh, write that down and be like, let me try putting a blueberry smoothie in my diet twice a week. And then when people do, they see huge changes, right? But you also have to listen because sometimes we're like, okay, I said how, now I'm going to sit down and do nothing. No, you got to listen to the little words that <laughs> pop in and some will pop in and you'll know when they're authentic and when they're not. Because if it's any, if it's negative, then that's your ego trying to mess around with you. But if it sounds something and resonates with you, then you know, it's coming from a higher, a higher source. And we sometimes tend to get those mixed up. We just think anytime we hear something that's coming from somewhere, but you got to listen to how it's coming to you. And if it's in any way that it's a negative or harmful or not nice, that's your ego. It's not a higher power calling to you at all. It's not source. It's not the one command. It's your ego trying to go in there and protect you a little bit. Yes. The ego, it likes to be large and in charge. <laughs> it does. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you have covered so much already, Remy. I think what this point, why don't we take a minute and go to the sparks of wisdom and summarize a bit of what you've been talking about. And then 
we'll go on to some final information that's really important for people at the end. Sparks of wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Sparks of wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Remy, since you've enlightened us already so much today, why don't you go ahead and do our sparks of wisdom for today, please? I'd love to. So just remember that trauma does get stuck in the body, like a PTSD, it's negative energy, it stays lodged in there, and we just need to move that around and replace it with positive energy. And that miraculous healing happens when our minds and bodies and spirits are aligned, and then that we are supported by our vibrational frequencies. Now, athletes, you ask a lot of yourselves, you put a lot on yourselves, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that you need to have the support and to get in alignment also. Thanks again so much, Remy, for being a part of the show today. It's been fun learning all this fascinating information and talking to you. And I'm super excited because you mentioned to me that you have a special offer going on for the listeners. So can you please tell them about it? Yes, I have an offer uh, for the first six guests that hear this and jump on my website at leastessentialshealing.com you will get a free 30-minute discovery consultation we'll do a little bit of healing some meditation discover if this is something that's good for you talk about the body and don't be afraid because of the athletes essentials part because like i said i can work with anybody and we'll just see where we can go from there maybe get a plan for you and uh, get some of that negative energy moved out and around get some more positive energy in your body and who can't use more positive energy? <laughs> I think we all can. Right. And then we can all use healing. So yes, I know you are a gifted healer. So thank you for your time today, Remy. And I thank will you. put all of your information in the show notes so people can find you. And like you said, for six to jump on that offer are going to be wonderfully blessed with your gifts. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. And as always, to everyone out there, be you, be love, and be present. <laughs>